0: Hello, friends, and welcome to A Hasty Podcast. You're listening to A Hasty Podcast. I'm your host, Weston Hasty, and we are back at it again with another review of, <laughs> of, a, of a show that I've been watching. I try to Google it. Hang on. Uh, I try to Google it because I want to, like, be able to remember the names of characters because this is... I, I think I've talked about this on the podcast before. But I've got this problem where... When I'm watching a show, I know the characters' names. I know who everyone's referring to. I know who everybody is. But the second I'm not watching the show anymore, like I'm sat down just to talk about the show with you, like, on the podcast, I don't have any memory of <laughs> who any of these people are. It's uh, it's uh, It's got... This has to be a condition. I suffer from character amnesia or something like that. Any, anyway, I've been watching or I finished, in fact, this show Pluto that came out on Netflix in October. I guess I jumped on that train fairly early in terms of starting to watch it, but I know it's taken me quite some time to finish it. Uh, When I got, like, halfway through the season, it's only an eight-episode season, but each episode is an hour long. So, like, last time I was sat down here talking about... um, uh, the Laserhawk hawk show on netflix i was complaining that it was six episodes long and that was stupid normally i'd say an eight hour season is stupid too but at least it was an hour long so it's like the equivalent of 16 of those laser hawk episodes and that makes more sense if it's going to only be eight episodes having hour long episodes is the way to do it so in terms of the length of the season i'm not going to be har like harping on uh, this show like i was laser hawk but Pluto, I didn't do any research into what I probably should if I were actually if I were actually remotely good at informing people, hang on, I'm going to Google this as we speak. Is Netflix Pluto based on something? We're doing a Google search here. I'm sure there's, I'm sure it's by a manga, I'm sure. Of, yeah, perhaps the most obvious one is that I don't know what they're referring to. This is just a snippet. Be, uh, Pluto based on the manga by award-winning creator Naoki. Orasawa? Okay. So yeah, it's based on a manga. It felt like it was based on a manga. The uh, animation, the anime that I watched apparently is a Netflix original. Yeah, it's a Netflix series, so it was made for Netflix, the the anime was, but it's based on a manga. I don't know anything about the manga and how good, bad it was. I guess it's from an um, award-winning individual, so I suppose the manga was probably fairly well-received. And I keep going back and forth about how I feel about the anime. I can't tell you about the manga, but I watch the anime, as I am wont to do. And I have this weird habit of always being the type of person that, like, hate watches anime. Like, if I don't really like an anime, that increases the likelihood that I will watch it. (laughs) I I couldn't explain it to you. But, um, I got halfway through this show, is what I was trying to say. And I thought it was almost over. Like, I got four episodes in, and I took a big break from, the, from watching, and I was talking to my brother about the show, and I was like, oh, I can't remember what episode I left off on. I'm sure I'm only an episode or two away from the end, but I was actually only halfway through the thing. So, that told me a couple of things. One, that this is a densely packed show, which I kind of agree with, but I am going to counter that in a minute. It's densely packed. A lot goes down in that hour, length of time, to really make those eight episodes feel like more. Which is good, because that means I felt like it had the time to dedicate to developing its concepts, whether that's its characters, its plot, both, anything at all. Because that's something I felt like Laserhawk just didn't have. It didn't have the time to pace development out in a way where I cared about anybody or anything. Pluto's interesting. So it was very dense, but some episodes were not as dense as others. (laughs) Like, it wasn't equally dense all the way through. So I'm highly conflicted about this show. There are a lot of instances where I thought it was very well-paced. They were really trying to bring home, like, me feeling one way or another about characters. Uh, The first character that you're sort of introduced with is this, like, um detective, Gazic. And like he you spend the majority of the show um following. Like as far as any of the characters that are introduced, he's the one that I think you follow the most and have maybe the most screen time with. There are other characters that you get long stretches of screen time with, and there are sections of the show where you don't really get much of Gazikt at all. But he's one that you see a lot of and I felt like we were really developing his character and his arc. Uh, very well, but then there are other characters where I felt like they were kind of glossed over, or that there were sort of assumptions that I would like, as a viewer, care more about them than I actually did. So the other one, which I'll get into what this show is in a minute, but Adam is another character, and he's like this kid. He's he's just this boy, and I think this this show this show really has a thing for like using kids symbolically as like i'm gonna have to piece together my thoughts here symbolically as like a like a sign of um really just good honestly everything that's good about humanity or people or existence or whatever is good in the universe is more or less is represented as children have children and have a big family and you're a good person, period. That's kind of, (laughs) there's kind of an undertone of that in the show. But anyway, so Adam's a character that because he's a boy, just like a kid, I'm, I think, supposed to feel like he needs to be protected and listened to. And he's a good, he's representation of good. But as a, a cynical individual, as I am, and someone who doesn't really care all that much for kids, look, I'm not like, You know all kids need to be beaten or anything like that like i'm not like crazy but like as someone who doesn't really when i see a kid on screen i don't immediately have that paternal instinct to be like oh must protect i'm just like okay kid character sure what next so i didn't have i felt like i didn't have the the immediacy of that uh, of what the author of this show wanted me to have as a viewer so i feel like they really glossed over the kids development and he just turned into this sort of like, like bland, just cartoonish character in a show that's otherwise mature. This show goes back and forth being mature and being childlike far too much. There's a little bit of a whiplash to it, but I'll break it down here. Let's break down what the show is for those of you that are interested or not. I, I mean, I guess if you're still listening seven minutes into this, you, I guess you're interested a little bit in what this show is. Pluto takes place in a universe. I don't know if it's like a near future. It's kind of an alternate future or whatever. Actually, I think it's an alternate past. Uh, I'm trying to remember if it takes place in a certain year. Hang on. I'm going to look up. Hang on. Can I look up the setting? Okay. I'm just going to Pluto, <laughs> Pluto Netflix show setting. It takes place in um, many locations, but I'm trying to remember what time frame we're working with, but ultimately futuristic world if you just google this (laughs) what is the setting of the pluto anime pluto is set in a futuristic world so okay i don't know how near or far future that's what i wanted to know is how near or far future it was because there are elements of the show that kind of feel modern and by modern i mean modern era not like necessarily today but modern era so you know between the 80s and now so somewhere in that range there's some concepts that feel that way and then there are like others where it's like well this is clearly in the future there's like flying cars and crazy robots and stuff so i couldn't figure out if this is like near future or what but it takes place in the universe where robots i think they yeah they use the word robot more often but there's like robots androids there's you know that kind of idea and technically a cyborg although cyborgs aren't ever talked about i think it's just kind of lumped in together with a robot more or less but anyway where robots have sentience. They are aware of themselves, have their own thoughts and emotions. Uh, with one glaring exception, when it comes to emotions, and we'll get into that because that's part of the plot. Um, anyway, they're sentient and they have rights, and that's very important because there is an undertone throughout the show that people, humans, don't—not all humans necessarily see robots as equals. But some do we're in a future where it is completely normal to be human and see a robot and accept them as equals like we're they're like robots and humans are both people and that's very important because there is an un- there there is a, a group of humans that don't feel that way that robots are inferior and that they're below people and that they're just creations and created which I'm not sure if this is explained in the manga. There are robot children, but I don't know where they come from. I don't like I don't think robots are are banging and having robo babies. Like I don't, I didn't get the sense that that's what was happening. It what I got the sense of more or less is that AI um like I'm going to say AI packages of of people, right? Are invented. So you'll have like a baby AI and that little baby AI like chip, like a little computer chip will be shoved in like a little like baby robo body right and while that ai is like learning to exist like learning about itself the world to move around and doing all of that it exists in this sort of like robo child body or whatever and then as the the ai itself um gets older and wiser and smarter and blah 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 i guess somehow some way the that chip is removed and just increasingly put in in like, more adult-ish bodies. I don't remember ever seeing robo-teens, is what I'm trying to say. I don't know how a robot, like, evolves in this universe. That is not explained in the anime at all. But there are robo-children, because that's a plot point. Children is very prevalent in this show. And it was annoying for me, initially. So, the show introduces, introduces itself... On this premise, it's the very beginning. There, is, there was a massive robot war that the robots didn't actually initiate, but it, like it was fought by robots, right? So this like king of Persia um, went to war with the world. I think actually the world went to war with Persia under the pretense that Persia was developing a world-ending weapon. Um, you kind of find out later. So th- this is kind of a minor spoiler, but also kind of not because... I don't know how much of it actually is a spoiler because as much as the show wants to be like a detective story where you're bringing these pieces together, as soon as a piece, like, appears, it's put together immediately. Like, you don't have—this is a show that doesn't really leave you clues for you to figure out yourself before it happens. It presents clues and then the characters are like, oh my gosh, that means this. So you as the viewer aren't really piecing together the puzzle because the clues that you need to piece together the puzzle the puzzle, um, are presented immediately when they're needed, right? There's a couple of exceptions to that, but the clues are meaningless to you as a viewer because we don't exist in this futuristic world. So it doesn't mean anything to us. This is where the show probably does better as a manga than an anime, where maybe the writing can, like, present those clues a little bit better, whereas the anime maybe had to kind of contrive it a little bit to fit the screen. I'm not entirely sure. But um, what you find out is what I'm trying to say. So minor spoiler on this. Uh, You find out that Persia wasn't actually developing a super-secret, like, world-ending weapon. They was trying to devise a, basically, a a terra-scaping device like a giant machine that would help um revitalize the landscape of persia that was more or less a desert wasteland in this in this universe so they were trying to create something that would actually bring life to the world but this investigation into persia um mistook that machinery for a world ending weapon instead and that initiated this massive like robot war where everyone was kind of like on Persia's case and Persia raised an army and there was this massive war or whatever. It resulted in the death of thousands upon thousands, if not millions or whatever, of primarily robots. And the robots that fought in this war are affected by this war. They essentially have PTSD for all of the murder that they did of fellow robots, because robots in this world cannot kill humans, which... For as much of a plot point as they really hang that on like it's a huge point of the show that robots cannot kill humans the justification for that is that it's like against the ai code or against the ai laws in order to kill humans but it like like what what if a robot just didn't obey the law like i asked that so many times early on the show i'm like well what if a robot just broke the law well it can't do that it's ai would forbid it and i'm like okay so but why like what if i built a robot that didn't have that law in its brain right like what if because the robots are clearly being built right that's what i mean with the whole there are robot children but they're not born they're made so like what if you just made robots that didn't have that part that restricted them from killing people right like we could do that today like right now in 2023 modern earth or whatever, you can create a robot with some kind of AI in it, but it doesn't have to like not kill people. In fact, it's a huge point now with like, you know, self-driving cars and stuff about like how like automated decisions by an AI would have to like protect people. We're more concerned. It is more difficult to create an AI to keep people safe, right, (laughs) than to create an AI that would kill people. So anyway, it's a massive point in the plot that robots can't kill people in this world. And yet there is one exception, one robot that's like in this like prison that they keep functioning and alive to more or less interrogate it as needed. Um, in, in this like dis- this state of disrepair, this one robot managed to break through those laws and that coding and all of that to kill somebody. And I forget if it was like one person or several people. It doesn't really matter. The point is that happened in the past as far as the show is concerned. And um, this one robot has killed people. And when they investigated its AI and checked its machinery and broke into its code and all that, they couldn't find anything actually wrong with it. So there was no malfunction that led the robot to killing people. Which is another point of contention that I have with the show. Is that it sort of brings up this concern that robots could malfunction and hurt people. So I'm a little perplexed why they do say that. But then it doesn't ever come up that when they are investigating whether or not there's another rogue AI killing people. Because that's the premise of the show is that actually all these murders are happening. They're trying to find out who's doing it, And it it can't be a person because they're leaving no human DNA or traces behind. So that means it's a robot, but it can't be a robot because the robots can't kill people. And I'm sitting here watching the show like, but what if it was a malfunctioned robot or robot that operated on a different AI? So there's a lot of holes in the show that it just really asks you to ignore. The show, like it's suspension of disbelief, right? The show really wants you to ignore that there are so many ways To get around this whole robots can't kill people thing. I guess in this universe, there are very few select mega scientists that are actually capable of creating AI at the level of sophistication that we see in the uh, show. Right? Like sophisticated AI that are sentient and self-operating and blah blah blah. But I would argue you don't need to have a mega scientist like that to create a death robot right you don't need to create a robot that is just like a person in every conceivable way except that they're not in order to create a death robot right like you don't need to have that you don't need to have that to create a toaster with a gun right you know what it <laughs> doesn't need to act like a human if i'm just trying to make a toaster with a gun but anyway so the whole premise of the show is that these um, really powerful and really well-known robots are being murdered and also the human investigators that were originally a part of the investigation into persia that led to the war those investigators are being killed those investigators and um, these other powerful robots that fought in the war are being killed off and the question is who by and why and this mystery sort of unravels Um, throughout the show and I don't want to go too far into exactly how that goes because this isn't really a breakdown of the show in that way like I don't want to spoil it for like entirely for people that do want to go ahead and watch it but it is it's it's an interesting enough premise right that it sort of brings up this sort of detective work there are some clues about like who might be doing it because at the murder scenes Either parts of, like, the robots, for example. Like, the first robot that gets killed is this, um, like, literally, like, he's, like, two stories tall, massive robot guy or whatever. He gets completely just annihilated, like, first thing, like, to start the show off, to, like, introduce the premise of these murders happening. So that's not a spoiler at all. But um, his body is more or less torn to pieces, and in his place are these massive, like, this, like, uh, statue of horns placed where he, he should be. So this idea of horns, right? That's the clue. And this other investigator that's killed in, like, an office or his apartment or something like that, horns are left behind. So this idea of horns, what's, what's going on with the horns, that's the clue. And Gazik is a detective. He's a robot. He's a robot detective. And he's actually one of those top AI that is probably going to be a target because you find out there's, like, seven or so. I think it's seven. Um, top powerful AI that fought in the war that have like very special ai and very special parts so like he's like one of them you kind of uncover that pretty early on that he's he's going to be a target and he knows who the other targets are because he literally knows them from the war so anyway the show introduces itself as this sort of detective mystery thing in this future with robots and humans and i was on board with that i'm I'm totally on board with that um so that's why i kept watching but I will say that if you're someone who is familiar with how anime sometimes get a, gets a little too anime for its own good, if you know what I mean, like if this were just a detective thriller story uh, in Western media, maybe live action, you'd, based on what I've told you so far, you kind of know that, okay, this is going to be kind of dark and mysterious and there's going to be a, a thing to uncover. All of that's true, but because it's not Western live action media and because it's Japanese anime, it's also got, like, it's weird parts where, like, you've got a girl, like, a little girl robot later that can just sense emotion in the ether. Like, if a cat is sad a kilometer away, she can just sense that. She can just sense sadness. That's just something that that makes no sense. How does one do that? They don't even try to explain it. They don't. It's, she doesn't go, oh, it's the, you know, when people are sad, they emit a certain electromagnetic frequency and blah 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 no it's just i can detect sadness because i'm magic that's just magic or there's a robot that's like basically japanese jesus that like <laughs> his name's epsilon and he's a pacifist and i have issues with this because while i have nothing wrong with pacifism they make his pacifism a massive point in the plot and it's enough that it f- it finally broke me and i was just like oh my god if th- I, I hate everything about him, so they make him like uh they make him like uh g like like I keep calling him Japanese Jesus but he's the idea he's the idea of what I think Japanese people would think white Jesus would be right he's just this Mary sue can do anything tall white blue hair like effeminate figure floats around through the sky without any like rockets or anything to propel him he can just kind of summon uh, a a blue sphere of like a translucent blue sphere around him he can just float around fly around freely he gets his power from the sun and he can make things bright and shiny he's just got jesus powers i don't know i don't know why that's that's the symbol that's the imagery that comes to my mind is like this is this anime's version of robo jesus okay and he adopts kids he's got this massive adopted family of um, orphans from the war that he just takes care of. And he's all about the kids, and he really plays a very motherly figure um, to all of these kids, which we can talk. There's probably something there to be talked about in terms of like gender politics, but I'm not gonna do that because it really has no bearing on the show at all. But anyway, he's got this very like motherly figure with all these kids or whatever, can do no wrong, doesn't wanna hurt people, blah, blah, blah. But he actually is a death robot and can do it physically like he can just literally go supernova and just blow up an entire city in one go because he's done it before in the war when i don't know why they have this flashback to where he blows up a city but it's evacuated but he has this whole thing where actually there's a kid still in the city and he like detects a life form in the city and saves the kid before he blows up the city right um and he's he's mad at these like military people that they didn't successfully evacuate the city like it's their fault that they didn't make sure that there was a single living thing in this entire ruined city i get where they're coming from it's like oh they didn't do their due diligence the the bro blew up a city if there's a kid hiding under some rubble in a corner of the city just randomly they're gonna be hard to find also why were we blowing up a city you have a problem with with potentially hurting this kid, but not a problem with blowing up this ruined city in Persia filled with the evidence necessary to find out exactly what the Persians were up to, to to, to actually put like the King behind bars and all this stuff. Like why was the military blowing up the city? (laughs) Why were they doing it in the first place? That's never explained. All I know is that the result of that is in fact, Epsilon robo Jesus probably buried a lot of evidence willingly. That's all I'm going to say. He talks such a big game about not wanting to be a part of the war effort, not wanting to hurt people, and then probably blew up all this, like, insane evidence that would have brought a bunch of stuff to light way sooner. So, anyway, I have a problem with Epsilon, okay? I don't even remember what the point was I was getting to, but it's very magic. He's very magical, whereas other things in the show, like, use rockets and lasers and, like, very sci-fi stuff, but he just feels like an anomaly, right so there's parts of that there's inconsistencies in the show there's stuff where like it gets a little too childish a little bit too much like i'm watching dragon ball z and not not and not a detective like thriller of some kind and it irks me it's not always like that there's like a whole episode or maybe it was half an episode it felt like a whole episode um uh, because these episodes sometimes are really dense where they focus on one of those powerful robots, North Number Two, and his—it's just him and this like uh, aged um, uh, symphony director guy for movies. He, like, he makes like orchestral music tracks or whatever for, for movies or whatever. And he's retired. He doesn't make any more music basically. He just sells licenses to the old stuff he's ever done, and he's just rich off of that. But he's unfulfilled. He's also blind. But he's unfulfilled and he's trying to create, personally, in his own home, this, this uh, piece. He's trying to create this piece on, on the piano that it ha- he's been like dreaming about. Something that sort of bring him back to his home. Something that he's been trying to create, basically, his whole life but can't quite put his finger on. And because he's so rich and because he's blind and, you know, aged and all this stuff, he's got like a rotating list of butlers, I guess, that take care of him. And North number two, this ex-top military robot, I guess, is a part of the butler program because he's sent, he's sent over to this uh composer's mansion. And North number two, all he wants to do is learn to play the piano, become a musician, learn art. He wants to, like, uh, put behind him his militant and uh vicious and violent past and move forward with his life as a musician, someone into art and life. And that's a there's a really deep episode there that actually brought me uh vibes of like uh Violet Evergarden. Was that her name? Violet Violet Ever something or other? That anime that came out of, I think it was Violet Evergarden. I got vibes of that, like a very just slice of life down-to-earth, just story. One of the characters happens to be an advanced AI robot, yes, but, like, they felt like characters. And, like I said, it was, like, a lot of time dedicated to just their two, those two characters, their story, that ultimately ends very poorly for that AI robot, because, like I said, there's a serial killer on the the leash. On the leash? On the leash? What am I trying to say? Unleashed? On the... On the lease. On the... On the streets, what my brain just shut down right now. There's a serial killer out there killing these robots and people, and um, you kind of get uh, you kind of get the vibe that it's probably not going to end well, but you hope it will. Yeah, minor spoiler: it doesn't end, when, end well. Um, but it's this really well written story. It's very somber. It's slower. It's really well paced. M- more mature audience in mind, right? And then you've got other ones where it's like that little girl running out to go save some random tigers in the street that escaped a circus or something and the tigers are sad so she has to save them. So you have like really mature stories and you have like stuff that just feels really childish where this talk about emotions and stuff is very surface level and doesn't really get very deep because emotion starts to play a massive part of the story because while robots are sentient and can feel emotions, um, they're not programmed to feel hate more or less they can't hate things so you know they're limited and sadness seems to be they seem to be restricted in the level of sadness they're allowed to feel according to their programming uh there's actually a point where one of the characters um knows that they're sad they can figure that they, they can figure that much out but they don't really know how to show it so more or less the best way to process that sadness is imitating what they know that humans do when they're sad you know cry and scream and all this stuff right uh it's an imitation they feel the emotion but because they're robots they don't necessarily always know like how emotion is supposed to be processed so like you can tell that robots despite being sentient and at least having a surface level understanding of many emotions often have difficulty expressing them in some way and that's that becomes a massive uh plot point later on in the show but it does just feel very surface level a lot of the time where it just feels like yeah sadness is bad (laughs) you know what i mean like sadness isn't fun sadness isn't good and while you have this um if you are a robot like if you yourself as a viewer are a robot watching this show then yeah, maybe you can learn what sadness is for the first time in your life. But as a developed human being, myself, who's an adult, who's experienced many different kinds of sadness on very many different levels, then I feel like we only get the surface level of what it means to be sad, to be angry. Heck, to be uh, happy or, joy, or, or to seek joy. Uh, we get only very surface level. And it fe- felt very, like I said, almost Dragon Ball Z, right? Like it felt very like teenager which I know a lot of Japanese anime are made for a teenage audience in mind. But that's why it just felt so weird that you had these, this juxtaposition of trying to create a more mature crime thriller. Juxtaposed with this like teenager learns what emotion is for the first time <laughs> kind of situation. And I just couldn't quite reconcile these two, these, these two halves. So there is some, some redeeming qualities to the show. But it also does have some whiplash. That does end up really slowing the show down because it's very repetitive about points that don't need to be repetitive as a result of it suddenly and randomly shooting for a younger audience. That really uh, hurts the pacing a lot. There's some redeeming qualities to the show. The twist at the end is... There's a few twists at the end. There's a few twists at the end that are simultaneously interesting, but also, like, you could see some are interesting, some you could see from miles away. Like, uh, oh, of course it's going to end this way. Oh, of course it will. And I won't spoil the ending, but, like, the the actual, like, penultimate ending, like, the very, very, very ending, it's like, okay, well, of course it's going to end this way because the show doesn't have the guts to do anything actually, like, anything either controversial or shocking or anything it ends in the most like oh yeah of course it would end that way because like you know that's it's an anime and you know uh, they can't tell if they're shooting for teenagers or adults so like we we want to have this ending go in a way that teenagers can understand or something it i don't know they didn't have the guts to do bad things It, it it just ends in a very boring way in my opinion but because it's an anime, they kind of pretend it's like it's highly emotional. And they try to really pull at your heartstrings with all these different characters that you've met along the way. Problem is, half of them I didn't care about because half of them didn't get the development they, that they needed. Like the first android, right? The first robot that died. The first AI right at the beginning of the show. He gets brought up, of course, in the slew of all the you know murders. But of course, we don't really care about him. The characters in the show care about him. But we as a viewer don't because so we never really got to develop that so half the characters i didn't even care about so that doesn't really do much for me the other half of the characters i got to know and did care about but i didn't feel like they were being done any real justice uh by the end of it which is just unfortunate because by the end of it i do really feel like all the all the deaths that happened throughout the show more or less were for nothing right like nothing really is accomplished like the uh divide between humanity and robots isn't really reconciled in any way like there nothing will come of that other than the loss of all these brilliant individuals and ai nothing is resolved it's it was just kind of like everything was falling apart and now it's not falling apart but damage has been done so they should have focused more on that instead of pretending like they have a happy ending. They kind of pretend that like, there's a happy ending. There's, a, there's like a post-credits sort of twist like, oh, maybe there'll be a sequel to this or maybe there'll be more. Like, oh, ho, ho, troubles are brewing. But like, they really should have gone into and really dived into all of everything that they did. The heroes, the villains, everything a part of it was all for nothing. And ultimately everyone has hurt because of it people and robots are dead there's there is no coming back from that and ultimately yeah the world's saved but like it wasn't it was nothing changed right it wasn't in danger to begin with and now that the the bad thing has happened it's not in danger now but there is no reconciliation between people and robots there's no one closer there so it's a weird show that i feel like we should have dived more in on that that divide they try to do that with, a, uh, there's like this terrorist organization that wants to see all the AI like dead basically. So they sowed the seeds of that discontent between people and robots, but they really needed to dive more into that division and how it affects everyday life instead of the show just kind of painting that organization out as just the evil evil guys. Like just the literally, like as literally evil as like a hitler character or something like that right like just the quintessence view of pure evil instead of doing that we should have actually seen how in a day-to-day life why people would be driven to such division what would drive a group of people to be so anti-robot other than just literally hatred for its own sake you get a little bit of it but just a little bit, and it's very surface level. I wish that they went more in that. It would have been more mature. It would have had a harder discussion. It would have actually made some of the emotions that they try to experience, especially with, like, hatred, that um, would have made that more impactful and meaningful. But instead, it's very surface level, and it's like, oh, one side's good guys, one side's bad guys. Wipe my hands clean of this. So anyway, that's uh, my synopsis. Is that the word? I use the word synopsis sometimes when's the last time i actually looked up the definition of synopsis sometimes i've discovered this in my life where i use words and have been using them for a long time in one way or another but i don't always remember what it actually means synopsis a brief summary or generate general survey of something excuse me drinking my coffee i'm getting kind of burpsy um yeah that's my synopsis yep that's that's the word i want to use that's my synopsis of netflix's pluto which came out in October, and because it took me so long to get through, has completely derailed me of keeping up with other shows that everyone else is actually talking about. I'm sitting here talking about Pluto. Everyone else is talking about Scott Pilgrim and Blue Eye Samurai and all this other stuff. So maybe we'll have some episodes on that when I get around to watching those uh, when no one else is actually talking about them anymore. <laughs> because I'm never relevant. I'm never. I'm, I'm never on top of things. But that's gonna be my synopsis of Pluto. And that's going to be, be my episode today. Thank you for listening to a hasty podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. If you did, do all of the social stuff. And until next time, bye.